welcome. This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I am Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, her pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I want to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out as pansexual at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out, and I want to invite you into this conversation and make space for your stories as well. So, really happy you're here. Before we dive in, I'd like to offer this small disclaimer of sensitive content that may be discussed at any point during any episode to include such topics as toxic religion, specifically in my experience with Christianity, trauma, sex, sexuality, gender issues, and privilege, just to name a few. As I always do, I will strive to approach this content with integrity, honesty, compassion, and non-judgment. I'm really not here to provide answers, tell anyone else what to think or how to be, period. I'm not here to change anyone's mind or push an agenda, but just to open up conversation and exchange stories. I will, however, be sharing from my own experiences some hard truths I've arrived at or discarded for myself that may or may not align with yours, and I trust that you will know in your intuitive wisdom when to step away or when to stay, perhaps in some discomfort, perhaps not, and sift through what aligns with you and what doesn't with gentleness towards yourself always and hopefully with an open-hearted curiosity. Well, welcome, welcome friends. We are in for a treat this week, or at least I felt like it was a treat recording this this week, so hopefully uh, you will agree. I invited a dear friend of mine, Megan Nolasco, to join me in conversation this week on the topic of labels. As you will quickly find out, she and I could talk about this for a long time, and it was very difficult to keep it to about an hour. So what we have here is pretty much the longest conversation that Megan and I have been able to have together for a while that you get to listen in on and hopefully will find beneficial and as enjoyable as we found while we were chatting with each other. I, real quick, had the pleasure of connecting with Megan a while ago through an online publication that she and I were both writers for at that time, and I noticed her writing was just very thoughtful and socially conscious, intelligent and witty, and was immediately drawn to her. And we struck up a friendship, and that is, we've both agreed, one of the best takeaways that we have from our experience writing for this publication. And we have just been dear friends 
since, and I'm very grateful to have her in my life. So I'm excited to introduce you all to her, and let's get started. Hello there, my friend. Hello. Hello, my friend. I am so excited that you're here. And... Me as well. I've been looking forward <laughs> to this. Yes, I've been looking forward to this since uh, you agreed to it. And I think you are probably, you are one of the few people in my life that will get as excited talking about this topic as I do. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, we know I love the queer things. I love yeah. to talk about it. Yes, yes, and I would love to start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, about how you started off on your, you know, queer queer journey as you knew you've known it and how you identify right now and pronouns and all the things. Sure. So I've been, oh gosh, I've been very gay for a very long time. Um, <laughs> so first <laughs> off, my name is Megan, um, Megan Nalosco, which always feels so strange to say your first and last name out loud. Um, yes. If it's not like a job interview or, you know, a, I guess like a booking uh, situation, <laughs> but <laughs> I, um, I've, I came out when I was 17 um, I'm 31 now. So that's been a little over five, almost 15 years. Um, and wow. I came out over like a phone call to my family and, and their response was, Do we know. Um, so it wasn't <laughs> really a big surprise to anyone. I identify as a cisgender lesbian woman. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. And um, being being in the queer community has always been a part of my life, but, you know, kind of focusing on the, the episode this week that is labels, I've always had to try to fit um, into this tiny little box um, because I am what would be uh, societally deemed as a more masculine lesbian woman. I have short hair and I wear more masculine clothing. Um, which when I was younger and came out, that was like, oh, this is so great. I can finally get to live free and be me. And um, it's kind of progressed into something more as I've, as I've gotten older. Um, but I've, I've been out for a long time and I've been involved in the queer community since I started. I just kind of hit the ground running. <laughs> I do not doubt that for a moment, <laughs> knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I do. <laughs> uh, well, I I would love to hear um, because you know I'm obviously only like a couple months into my journey myself. But like for someone that has been out for like 15 years, almost, you know, what? How did the labels feel like when you first? came out and and how is that was there some struggle with that initially and and really like how has that kind of evolved 
since you've been out? Well, um, I dress a lot better. That's that's probably the one perk <laughs> that I've have, that I've gotten over the fifteen years. Um, because when you come from like a small town where there's not a lot of queer individuals and you know that you're more masculine, you're really just winging it for a while. So I definitely dress a little better, but on a more serious mm-hmm. note, um, I think labels when I first came out was something that I embraced um, because it, it it told the whole world who I was finally. Um, and even though I came yeah. out very young, you know, I grew up in a very small, small town in central California and um there were no other queer people in my town. I don't ever remember mm. there being anyone else um, that I could kind of relate to. But, you know, I think more so what bothered me about the labels is kind of the restrictions that it gave me. You know, I didn't mind so much or notice so much that people called me butch or called me masculine or um, the use of the word like stud was was big back then. Huh. Um, so those labels, you know, were always floating around, but it was it was kind of the things that those labels stopped me from being able to do. Um, Things like entering the women's restroom with short hair and masculine clothing um, and having to realize, wow, you know, people really are very upset that they can't really put uh, their finger on what's going on here. You know, what is this uh, presumably male individual walking into the women's restroom for? with the very wow. high pitched voice, <laughs> um, you know, so, so those things were very hard to take in because it was, you know, 15 years later now, I'm much more apt to educate someone versus being angry um, or upset. But back then it was just so embarrassing. I was like, Oh my God, this, these people think that not only that I'm a man, but now I feel uncomfortable going into the bathroom. Um, so that was, that was my biggest problem in the beginning right well and if you were I mean I don't know how often this was happening in your in your town but I mean if you're in this this small area and you I mean there aren't a lot of people around who are going to look like you Mm -hmm. and that you can actually you can turn to as as peers that would understand this like how do you how do you navigate how did you navigate this without <laughs> having like really queer community and in the internet? Like, I mean, the internet was oh, there, the but internet. like, it was barely like, there though. <laughs> it was barely there. So like, I mean, my God, the internet's been my everything with regards to, <laughs> to my coming out. So I just, how did you do that? Well, you know, I did a lot of hiding out. Um, I stopped using public restrooms Mm. I stopped correcting people at the grocery store or the gas station when they would call me sir um I Mm. would just kind of carry on as if I didn't hear it or as if it didn't matter so kind of in essence those labels really after coming out of the box that was finally accepting that I was queer and, and letting the world know I climbed right from that box into another box that was hiding who I my identity, kind of my gender expression. I had to either act like a a male um, and not correct people. Or if, if people, you know, if I did correct them and say, you know, no, it's ma'am, I would kind of shrink down inside myself. I would be very embarrassed. Um, Mm -hmm. 
which is horrible to think about now because it's been a while. And, and now when people do that, I just try to educate them. Um, yes. You know, no, I am. I identify as a woman. This this is the restroom. You know, no, it's not, sir. It's ma'am. Um, you know, but those labels are so ingrained in society that it's I my hope is that in educating people, they will start to kind of look at things differently. Yes. You know, because back then, 15 years ago, I mean, queer rights have come so far since the beginning. But 15 years ago, even though it was much more accepted than it was maybe in like the early 90s or the 80s, masculine presenting women were still treated as this kind of anomaly, even inside of the queer community sometimes. Um, Okay. You know, so. Yeah. I'm curious, though, to hear because we are at different times of this, how labels have presented for you. I'm so curious to hear that in depth um, and to see where it's come from, you know, the 15 years ago when, when I did this, (laughs) when I I jumped jumped out of my box, I would love to know like what that has been, what that experience has been for you because I know it's been different. It's been very different. Sure. Yeah. It, it has been very different. I, you know, for me, I had, I have this, this, my issue is I, I just felt like I don't look queer. And so, you know, queer in my, (laughs) according to the world. So where people look at you and, and they assume one thing, they assume masculine or they assume butch or they assume, you know, whatever the hell they want, (laughs) um, (laughs) they, they tend to look at me and probably assume straight. And I, um, so when I first came out, you know, I found, I found labels to be somewhat helpful because it was like, I, I need something to attach myself to, to this new queerness because I just feel almost like I don't belong here. And so I, I remember asking, you know, the person that I dated briefly while I was kind of coming out, you know, I don't really know how the queer community would define me. I guess I'm (laughs) femme. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, you're femme. And I was like, (laughs) okay. So I just kind of attached myself to that because I was like, cool, I guess I'm femme. I don't really know what that means, but I'm going to roll with that. (laughs) I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. So, um, but then when I, when I, you know, cut my hair off, Mm -hmm. I, it was this immediate shift for me of, I, and I talked about this in, in the last episode, but like, I, it was, it was just this very visceral reaction of, oh my God, like, I don't, I don't not only look femme to me anymore, I also don't feel femme. Like, and I don't even know what femme means. So I guess I need to explore what that means. And the more that I started to unpack that, the more I realized that's not really a label that, that feels really restrictive to me because I actually don't, I don't want to be boxed in, in that way. And so I have, I guess I, 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 
I did start off very briefly, like, yeah, feeling like, oh, pansexual, oh, bisexual, like something to grasp onto and very quickly have started discarding those labels because they feel too restrictive and they, they feel like, okay, I, I've got you figured out. And right. I'm like, I don't have myself figured out and I don't actually, I'm not comfortable with the assumptions that get made based on these labels because they, they just don't feel quite right for me. And so I find myself in this very like ambiguous place of, I, I very briefly felt like, yay, I am like in this community <laughs> and I fit here too. Oh my God. I don't know where I fit here. Cause, <laughs> cause I, don't worry. A lot of us are thinking that same thing very often. Like, do we, can do somebody we... show me the line that I'm supposed to be in? Where's my line? I yeah. Okay. Line. Why is there a line at all? Didn't we leave the other line to get into this like big open line? You know, it's just, <laughs> Yes. It's a lot of back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. And I feel like if, if there was, I don't know, I have this, I have this idea that if I was actually rubbing shoulders with and interacting with more people in person, that I would get a better feel for that. And I just have this like small sample of people that I'm experiencing in a, in a space where we're introducing you almost have to define yourself because you're writing it out as yeah. opposed to meeting people in person. You have to write this almost like this little snippet resume of who you are. And it's, it, it's a very different, like, I don't know. I don't know how much it felt like that 15 years ago. Um, at least very in that similar. Sense. Okay. okay. <laughs> Very similar. It, you know, and back then, I think that, you know, I was so young. I was 17. I had, I didn't know, you know, much about life at all. Um, so I was very much kind of swimming around in the dark and um, trying to find that place that you fit. I think sometimes for me, had me taking on labels and just kind of owning them because I wanted that sense of community. I yeah. wanted that, you know, group of people that I could kind of uh, really share experience with and talk about how I felt and, you know, be able to have conversations that didn't require so much explaining. Um, but it really, to me back then and, and now, it has always seemed that the people who are so quick to label me, um, you know, to the point of almost, I've, I've been in heated debates before with individuals about my identity or my expression, you know, and, and sure. trying to explain where I fit versus where they think I should fit. Um, uh. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's always comical to me because these individuals tend to be the ones who know the least about you. You know, for me, it's been like, you know, the cashier at the grocery store or that person you pass in the hallway on your way to the bathroom or, um, you know, that other individual who's at another queer event with you who's telling you where you fit in. And I just think that can be very, very harmful um, yes. because if you hear the same thing over and over enough, 
it's very easy to let yourself believe that, all right, yeah, this is, this is sure. Kind of like you, when you, when you said, you know, okay, I'm femme. I don't really know what that means, but I am, this is here I am, you know, it's, it kind of leads you to be like, all right, I guess I am that thing. And I'll just, and I'm, and, and I won't even look into it anymore. Right. Yes. It's like the exploration and the possibility for that to evolve and expand just gets cut off. Right. Yeah. Right. And you also get tired of explaining yourself. That's, I get into that. (laughs) Oh, I was just, you know, I'm like, you know, you can label me whatever it is that you'd like. Right. And I'm going to let you do it because I'm tired of, of trying to explain myself. Like you said, in that snippet, in a resume uh, type format of here I am a complete human being in 12 sentences or less. (laughs) Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. And you don't have the, we don't have the energy to, to do that over and over and over again on the, on the daily. Like, so it makes sense that at some point, sadly, you'd kind of just feel like just kind of take it in and nod and move along. And yes, and, <laughs> and heavy yet, nod. good nod, right? <laughs> a heavy nod, but yeah, it's like, but but at some point, you start to probably absorb that and digest that yourself in ways that you don't even necessarily realize. Like, and I'm wondering, like, for you, you know, were you were you the one that kind of first attached to like the label of like butch and or was it something that you feel like was kind of put on you and and really like what what do you feel like came with that you know what comes with that label um well a lot of scared women in the bathroom no I'm kidding (laughs) um (laughs) I just always bring it back to the bathroom conversation because I feel like that's always where I get the most pushback. But, you know, I've been thinking about this and I've, I've wondered myself if, you know, when I came out and was kind of coming into my own that first year of being out, you know, was it me that said, I am masculine, I am butch. This is the role that I'm going to play because I don't know much, but I know that, you know, this is, this is what seems to fit. Or was it more that when I would do things like research, reading online, talking to other people, you know, was that all that was available? Right. You know, 15 years ago, nobody talked about identities like non-binary, gender non-conforming, you know, things that those topics were not conversation. Yeah. Which means they weren't in the literature. They weren't in the meetup groups, they weren't in the talk forums, they weren't in the old school AIM groups. (laughs) Um, So I I sometimes wonder, and I can't really, I can't really tell if it was me that ascribed to it first, or if reading everything that was available to me just said, yeah, I fit into there. That's, that's Mm -hmm. the closest thing I fit into. So I'll take that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was always prescribed to me too that I couldn't be just Megan, a lesbian who happens to dress a little more masculine and have short hair. Because when I think about that label of mask 
or masculine, I don't really fit into that either. Right. If we look at society's gender roles that have been around forever and that we're finally as a collective community starting to break a little bit, mm-hmm. I don't really fit into that either. I wear more masculine clothing. I have short hair, um, but I also wear makeup. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also uh, am not the person in a relationship that's going to kill a spider and I'm not, <laughs> you know, I, um, I'm very emotional and I cry often when things are very happy or very sad or so, you know, when you, when, if society is going to look at me in that bubble of these are the roles of masculine and feminine people, I don't fit in those either. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always very confusing to me because I knew that I felt that way and I knew that this is who I wanted to be, just this person who kind of skirted both sides. But there was no room for it. There was no one there that told me, you can do that. Do that. That you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to be this and that. It is not this or that. Hmm. Um, But it took a long time to get there. I would say up the first decade of me being out, I, I felt like I had to be this masculine individual and I had to hide all of the things that made me feel more feminine okay, or, f- or feel a little, a little more tender in my life. Um, and then the conversation shifted and the community yeah. opened up a little bit and we started to talk more about how gender roles were archaic and that they don't really work. <laughs> um, yeah. And it felt more comfortable to be that girl who wears men's clothing and has short hair, but also does really good eyeliner. And I was allowed <laughs> to be that. <laughs> yes. Finally. Finally. Yes. It only took a decade. It only took a decade. <laughs> oh, I have like several questions here. But um, I guess my first question is, as things have opened up and as there has been an availability of really more options in language and community has, so I hear you saying that like you're, you're not quite sure, some part of you maybe isn't quite sure where you fit in all that, but is there some question of, if that had been available to me, you know, then, and it is available now, is there this re-evaluation process that you feel like you could or would would, would want to go through of like, maybe, you know, well, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it had to do with growing up. You know, I had to, no matter where my where I stood in in my queerness, <laughs> I was so yeah. young that I was still trying to figure out where I was going, what I was doing. Um, you know, you and I have, have ta- talked about it a lot, and I'll just touch on that. You know, when I was seventeen, I was still an active addict, and I was living away from home, and so I had a lot of these other stressors in my life. And yeah. I don't know that even if going back now and being put in that same situation with 
the availability of more open conversations, a more welcoming community. I don't know if I would have shifted and not grasped so tightly to that label only sure. because, you know, when we are, when we're coming out and when we're living our life in this queer community, it's just one piece of us, you know, it's one piece of our life. Um, and I say often that for me, it's probably the, the thing that I talk the least about, but seem to have to talk the most about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yes. So I, I don't know if, if I would have changed my path or my views back then, but I guarantee that I would have gotten to where I am now a lot quicker. This comfortability to just identify as an individual who's in the queer community. Obviously okay. I identify as a woman and my pronouns are she and her and, and I'm, I'm firm in that identity, but not having to prescribe to, are you femme or are you butch? Mm -hmm. Because for a long time in the lesbian community, that's all we had. You were femme or you were butch. Yeah. <laughs> or, or androgynous, you know, maybe a little mix of both. But there wasn't all of these other options. Or the option for no option. I'm just, I'm just lesbian and that's it. Yeah. You know, or I'm just, you know, this orientation and that's it. And, and there's no extra you don't have to take on these extra roles. Yes. Within the queer community. <laughs> right. Which I find, I find that is really, uh, it's really baffling to me to know how to navigate that piece of it because it's one thing to have this label that maybe you identify with for yourself but it's another thing to have people specify that label that they want someone mm -hmm. to be. And what does that mean to them? Because it might mean something. It could just be like when someone says that they are looking for someone who's femme or someone who's butch or someone who is MOC masculine of center, which I see a lot. Oh, that's a fun one. I don't hear often. Oh, okay. yes. That's a fun one. I mask see that one center. mask of center. I see it a lot. And I'm just really curious when I see these things, like, is this somebody who is looking for a specific aesthetic or is this somebody <laughs> who is looking for a specific role that encompasses this aesthetic? Because I find that really, That's it, an it's confusing. Point. That's such a good point that you make, though, is it, you know, because when you think of aesthetic, you know, we all have our, our preference, we all have like a, a quota, well, we don't all, generally, some people will have a, a type, you know, I, right. I, and I think you're right, I wonder if it's more, you know, these are the type of people you're physically attracted to, or are you looking for some kind of all inclusive package that includes whatever these things are, that you feel are labeled by these terms. I'm right. really hung up on mask of center. I've never heard of that term. Okay. And oh, I am it's, so intrigued. It's, <laughs> I, I, I seriously see it a lot. I see it paired with, and it's funny because you, you know, I hear you saying like it, in the past it was more femme and butch, but that is what I see predominantly in my scrolling on these like queer apps is I see people who are looking for femme or looking for butch, but butch is usually paired with 
mask of center. So they could, you could be butch or you could be mask of center. They just want you to, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing a huge part of that is an aesthetic or a look, but I also feel like it's quite likely that there are some roles involved in that, that these specific individuals are really drawn to that they think goes with that aesthetic. But I, 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 I see so many stereotypical, um, you know, in search of <laughs> sort of wow. queries. And yeah. I, I was not expecting that because I think my thought was, you know, you come out and you're like, cool, I'm lesbian or cool, I'm bi or cool, I'm, you know, whatever, nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and you can just be that. But but you can't because it's like you <laughs> you're you're a a femme um, lesbian who is looking for a mask of center <laughs> lesbian or who also happens to and then specifies what position they want you to appreciate in sex. <laughs> so are you a top? Are you a bottom? Are you a dom? Are you a switch? Are you, you know, it's just like, and then. Also must love the color purple, must, <laughs> must yes. only use a certain type of fabric. You know, I, I'm with right. you on that. It's I, just so, <laughs> I'm just like, once I get through this laundry list of things that people want, I'm just like, Okay, moving right along. Like, I just. Oh my goodness! You know, it's funny that you bring that up, and I, I um, <laughs> it's been a, a running, what seems like what I think is is funny, but I guess you know, to each his own. But, um, when I was on Tinder, still, uh, there were a lot of people in in my area. I live in Albany, New York, <laughs> that seemed to be queer farmers. In search of other queer farmers, <laughs> which those labels weren't the funniest to me so much as I was very intrigued by how many queer farmers there must be. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. I, I'm, not, I'm not finding these queer farmers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You have to come to New York, my friend. I guess Vermont's not it. Um, but not. how many of you are there out there that you actually... Because I have to assume that if you are in search of other queer farmers, you must have at some point met a queer farmer or two, because this is now a niche. It's not just a unicorn. It's right. It's not just like a one-off. So there's there's obviously a very large queer um, polyamorous. That's that, that was also in the. It, was, a, it was normally queer thing, yes. polyamorous farmers. Um, so there's a very large queer polyamory farming community here but you're right it's it's I you know it's the I'm not used to even though I've been in this community for so long and the queer community sometimes has a tendency to kind of click up kind of have different clicks um, yeah of, of individuals but still when I see things like this you know like you said when someone has kind of a laundry list of things that they're looking for I just feel like it makes it very difficult to connect with people yes. on a, on a deeper level, you know, to get to know someone to, I, I can't imagine listing all of those things that I would want in someone because I don't know. I don't really know yet. You know, I, right. Before I met my partner, I didn't know that I wanted certain things 
in life. You know, you and I've dated very different people throughout my throughout my life. So and and never did I think before dating them, wow, I really want all of these things that you have. And then I put that on, you know, a dating app or what whatnot and found that. Um, so, you right. know, it's, it's, a, it's can be a lot. We can really get lost in the labels. We, um, yes. Yes, we can. It can. Yeah. I, I think I just, <laughs> I, I just coined the phrase, uh, which I thought was very clever um, and posted it on this, this app that I see a lot of mask of center things. I, I, I decided that I'm, I'm NOC. I'm neither of center. So <laughs> that is very, like, that is very clever. <laughs> I was like, where are all my neither of center people? I am where are you? Nor there. <laughs> I am not. Do not put me in a box. <laughs> um, oh goodness. Because I just, yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, yeah, for me, like, this is primarily all happening in a, the context of trying to get to know people in a, the dating world. And, and so it's just very, um, I feel like, uh, I feel like the people that, um, the people that saw me before I cut my hair are not the people that are interested in me now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet it's like they, yeah, I just feel like, I guess in some ways similar to you in that just because there is some sort of outward aesthetic does not mean that it in- it conveys all of the nuances of who I am in that aesthetic. And so to have people make those sorts of assumptions of, of that um, is it's just like disheartening. And so I think for me, I, in the span of like a couple months have just gone into this place of disillusionment. (laughs) 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 It was like came out like, rainbow everything and I'm just like yay and then <laughs> like Did I oh my that? god I'm gonna go right back here where I started <laughs> like there's all these little cubicles and <laughs> it's just you, everybody's right everybody's cubicles. in all their little cubicles <laughs> and I'm just like what happened I thought this would be so spacious I thought it would be more spacious not less spacious but it's so interesting how so if we're going to talk about like labels in the ways that they can be helpful and the ways that they can hinder it's like um you know I think that there's potential uh, one of the potentials of you know it seems like of, of queer community is that there are just vast options mm-hmm. to hold all this diversity and to to recognize it in words yeah. to recognize something that is was otherwise you know unrecognized or disregarded or you know um yeah just dismissed and so 
I think that there's like, there's just that, that potential for that. And then you get into it and it just breaks down. It breaks down into something that is just another version of what we just fought our, fought our way out of. And I don't, (laughs) don't know how to, it's like, I don't think anybody wants that, but it's like, how do we, like trying to navigate spaciousness without feeling like we have to harness it into all these little categories. Well, it feels like a very hard thing. Yeah. And I think that you make a good point because labels can be helpful. Uh, You know, they're not this, they don't always have to be or um, end up being kind of a toxic thing. Um, I think what's important to remember with them, with labels, is that they're another one of those instances of this or that. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. this and that, not not this or that, not that, not this or that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can use a label to kind of talk about someone, to help provide education on the community. Um, months and months ago, I remember sending you the uh, New York state gender toolkit training that was kind of going around that I had done a presentation on for at work. And I loved that toolkit because while it still wasn't exactly what we needed, New York state, if you're listening, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it, it was really informative. It was very informative. It gave a lot of good information, but what I didn't like about that is that it was all very concrete. It was all very, this is how you handle this situation with this type of individual. Hmm. It wasn't, here are some definitions that are, that are helpful. Here are some explanations of the community and how they kind of maneuver within these labels. But also at the end of the day, you need to have a conversation with that person about what makes them the most comfortable. Um, you know, it, it, and of course, it's it's New York State, and any state work is always very just concrete. Um, but labels can be really helpful in helping us understand and educate um, communities that are not familiar with the queer community who are genuinely trying to make an effort to be more inclusive um, and understand and change uh, the way we look at things. You know, gender roles have been ingrained in us forever. We were all raised with, this is what women do. This is what men do. There's two genders only. Um, and and we know now that a lot of that isn't true. None of that is true, really. <laughs> um, right. Men and women can do anything that the other can do. And there isn't just two. There are not just two genders. Um, it's not right. that cut and dry. There's a lot more gray area. But I think when you try to take a label and and not only label someone indefinitely, but try to tell that individual or make that individual feel that they need to be that, that they have to be that, that that's all that they can be, that this is what they are because of this, that, and the other. That's when it becomes toxic. That's when you have taken, you know, someone in the queer community, a, a minority community, and made them feel like they're in that minority community again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
instead of embracing them and accepting whatever it is that they want to identify with um, and asking questions when you don't understand instead of putting a label on someone that you understand so therefore it makes it easier for you to identify with how they live their life i think that that sometimes is a lot of where these labels come from um you know i work i work in new york state um again new york (laughs) state if you're listening just so you know um (laughs) so i work for um the office of mental health for New York state. And it's a fairly new position. I've, I've only been there a couple of weeks, but throughout the entire pandemic, I worked from home and I never really had to worry for the first time in a long time about how I presented to the world, how, what my gender expression was going to stir up in others. And in the last couple of weeks, I've been reminded that no matter that it is 2021 and that we have come so far that there are huge bubbles of people that are not educated in the queer community. Um, I'm again Mm -hmm. having to defend using the women's restroom at work um, because it is a New York state office, like many state offices, any, you know, civil, civil service job where you work in a very official building, quote unquote, Um, you have to work and, and dress in a professional attire and my professional attire is slacks and a button up um, and dress shoes. And yeah. when you see someone who looks like that walking into the women's restroom and you're not educated in the queer community, your first instinct is to kind of give that person a double look or let them know they're using the wrong bathroom or um, in some way, shape or form signal to them that how they look is not not lining up for them. Um, right. I've had coworkers that have asked me, you know, do you, do you have a girlfriend or do you have a boyfriend? And in that same kind of tone and inflection <laughs> and, um, oh, God. you know, it's just like, well, I, I, do we ask people this? First of all, is right. this something we ask people? Is this like when you're, conversation? When you're like t- 15? I mean, right. Adults because are asking a teenager. I'm over 30. And look, even if I wasn't queer, I don't really want to tell you. No, it's not really um, office talk. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and I barely know any of you. Um, right. But I have noticed how I feel like I don't fit in again in a space. And I am what I what I would think is very comfortable in my orientation, in my identity, in my expression. But all that being aside, you know, pushing all that aside, I'm still human. And we all have that yearning to, to find our place to, to kind of, you know, have that camaraderie, even if it's just on the surface, even though we both know how much I hate the surface talk. But yeah. <laughs> I would even One settle for that. <laughs> I would even settle for eight hours of just mild surface talk as opposed right. to eight hours of Oh, my God, what uh, are you talking about so yes. You know, all of all of the people that I work with are, and I'm not going to assume, but <laughs> I'm going to say they are what I would think of as a traditional female-identified individual. They have husbands, they have children, they clock into their job, they clock out of their job, they go home, they... And when they're in the office, they're talking about things like soccer games or doctor's appointments or, you know, so, so very family oriented activities. 
I am, aside from there being no BIPOC individuals in my office, which is a whole different story, mm-hmm. um, there are definitely no, no identified queer individuals. And taking that even a little further, there are definitely no female identified individuals who dress like I do, who are not married. Um, I don't have kids. My hair is purple and blue, for God's sakes. (laughs) And epic. (laughs) I have tattoos from the wrist to the elbow on both of my arms. Um, And I'm queer. And I'm openly queer. I, you know, I, my, when I come in with a water bottle, it usually has some form of no racist, no justice, no peace stickers and like rainbow stickers. So I'm very open about where I'm floating around in the world. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I'm very, I'm sure that they can deduce a couple of things just, just based on that. But having to try to navigate the public again, what mm. I feel like is a more closed-minded public um, you know, the state is stuffier and it's very policy and procedure based. And um, before that, I worked as a crisis counselor on a helpline, sitting at home every day um, on my computer, taking phone calls. So it's it's a very different dynamic. And I feel like I still catch myself. Although most of the time I, I'm open to just playing the educator, but sometimes it stings a little again. To have to defend using the bathroom and it stings a little to have to um, kind of issue or or state to people that I am still a woman. I'm just a lesbian woman who dresses and looks different than you're used to. I haven't worn makeup yet to the state office. And I keep trying to tell myself it's just because life has been so busy that that hasn't been a concern at 630 in the morning. But I'd probably be lying if I said that there's little pieces of me that don't do that because I just don't want to have to look at the faces, feel the stares, explain if somebody feels bold enough to ask me why I wear makeup. Although I swear if somebody comes at me with that question, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back because I'm going to then ask every one of you every day why you come in with makeup. Right? Right, because that's just the audacity. That's the question that just will put me over the edge. That would put me over the edge. Oh my god! Has anybody ever asked you that? Nobody ever asked you that in your whole life. That's a weird question. That don't ask things like that. Right, (laughs) and don't ask people if they have a partner who they're seeing. That's also strange. That's so strange. It's, I mean, it's, it's been a new dynamic yeah. of, of navigating uh, the public again. <laughs> that sounds like kind of an exhausting re-entry into, yeah, not working from home and working in an environment that purports to be more inclusive and diverse in terms of like New York state wanting to be on board with all these things. But when it actually funnels down into these departments, it's like, yeah, <laughs> they miss the mark Not so much. They, they miss the mark and that would be exhausting. I mean, 
that would be absolutely exhausting. And you kind of have to pick and choose what you have the energy for and how much it matters to you. Um, But, but you shouldn't have to pick and choose. I mean, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to manage your energy like that around explaining your identity. Um, But I also understand that that is unfortunately the reality. Um, Yeah. And it really puts into perspective. It has for me how we are still very much so in need of a lot of work. Yeah. You know, the civil service employment, when you work in these types of environments is so ingrained in, in the label of gender roles. And that is so not only toxic, but unsafe, I feel, Mm. for individuals in the queer community. And I say this because I identify as a cisgendered lesbian woman. While I look a little different than the norm, I don't have to put up with too much. It's exhausting and annoying, (laughs) but it doesn't feel, I don't feel unsafe. And I don't feel like I get misgendered. I just get a little bit of like quirky looks and like, a, hey, what are you doing over there? <laughs> okay. But I've yet to see, and I, I put my pronouns in my email signature at work and, and on my um, statuses at work where I have to kind of communicate with others. So, uh, and, and I had to push for that a little bit, but there are a few individuals that I also see their email signatures have that. So it's a little bit of a step forward, but I have never... And I used to work for the state when I worked for the crisis line, but I worked from home. I have never seen anyone with pronouns they or them. And I Mm. wonder how hard it must be for an individual who identifies as non-binary or anything on that kind of realm of the spectrum who uses pronouns that are not she or him. Right. And how often you must have to defend where you lie right in your identity and how often you must be misgendered and there are zero gender neutral bathrooms in my entire eight floor building you know so this is just something that I was thinking about last night too because um as we were talking about the podcast I thought wow you know I have a lot of these hurdles but I also have a lot of privileges when I look at myself compared to anyone in the non-binary community. And I would bet to take it further that that is a huge deterrent to working in civil service. Hmm. You know? That makes sense. How hard would it be to make that decision of, all right, I'm going to take this job. It gives me good benefits and it tends to give decent pay and decent hours, but how hard do I have to fight every day to just be recognized as who I am? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just a whole other, so many other layers of, of exhaustion going on there. And yeah, even just, yeah, is filling out, I mean, workplace aside, just filling out, forms for things there mm-hmm. there are almost no forms you know at this point that give you the option of 
something other than male or female. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm aware of that now. Um, so much, so aware of that now and never, it never even crossed my mind before. Um, you know, and, and so just all these, these little, they seem so little, these micro things just add up on a regular basis of just feeling, um, like you can't exist, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I know that like, you know, it's been an interesting journey for me looking at, and this is such a big topic and, you know, not one (laughs) we necessarily have time to like dive into (laughs) fully right here, but but you don't want this to be a four hour (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I mean, I'm up for it, but (laughs) still. This audience is like, really, really? Right, right. Go take the popcorn, come back, (laughs) you know, yeah, we'll take an intermission. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, just the the, the many layers of privilege and the ways that they can, it can present, like, I've pondered that a lot as I've come out and just how, how much how much different it would be initially coming out, you know, with different pronouns and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I'm definitely in the process myself of relooking at my pronouns and, and they, they are shifting, but I still have kind of a foot in, in several worlds, you know, right. Whereas, you know, there is a, there's this big population of people that don't. And, um, and so it's just, yeah, there's, you know, but I, I probably will, I mean, I, I may never have the experience of somebody telling me I'm in the wrong bathroom. And, and so, or having that anxiety, that panic of that dread of being out you know, wherever you're out in public, but, you know, the person, yeah, the person that I was dating, you know, is non-binary and, and was, and was telling me a lot of just like the, the panic, the dread that, that they could feel every time they had to stop somewhere on the road and use the bathroom and how very rare it was to find one that was designated gender neutral. Um, Yes. And I, right. They, they, unless you're in some very progressive little town, you know, (laughs) it's not really happening. That sounds kind of like an oxymoron, a very progressive little town. Progressive little town. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think I was thinking, um, because my best friend just moved to Asheville and she said that oh, okay. um, it's lovely there. she said that she's noticed some gender neutral bathrooms there. And I, <laughs> I, I think of I Asheville know. is a progressive little town, but it's a, it's, it is kind of an anomaly. So <laughs> I also was going to say, I feel like Asheville is a pretty large city. It's not, I know, right? <laughs> this is me who's never visited. So I'm sure Asheville actually, I mean, I was also the one that, decided to go you know use the airport fly out of a uh, fly out of newark new jersey thinking it was a small <laughs> town oh, I remember so, that. 
Right. Like, it's like really small. I don't. It's like I don't know. It's, I'll just go. Right I'll just go out of Newark. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just it's just New Jersey. I mean, what New Jersey's small. It's there's nothing there. <laughs> like New Jersey's just says the, the, says the person living in in Vermont. <laughs> so there's no no airport around here. So anyway. Oh. Fair assumption. Fair assumption. Fair assumption. So, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> there's just so many, so many things, so many pieces to this. Like, I mean, I feel like you've touched on more of the pieces that too are outside of, like, experiencing outside of queer community, um, and. And then there's the experiences within queer community, you know, where these things get perpetuated. And so I guess like, as we're kind of closing this conversation today, I'm just like, I mean, do you have any thoughts off the top of your head of like, how, how do we break these barriers that, I mean, this is your question that you posed that I really love. It's like, how do we break <laughs> barriers that keep us from living authentically within this community? And maybe this is not something that just has an answer to it or could be a soundbite of a minute. But <laughs> I just don't know if you had anything off the well, top of your head that you could envision. <laughs> I think I think you're right. It is a very large question to tackle and we both know that I ramble but <laughs> as my as my closing sentiment or, or last thought on that I think that in a very quick tidbit of explaining that I think that in order to remove those barriers we just we can't put them there in the first place yeah um, you know there doesn't if you need to use a label to identify somebody else because it makes it easier for you to understand them. That is, that's where we cross into that mm. no, no zone mm -hmm. instead of having a conversation, right. not needing to put someone in a box because how they identify, how they express themselves, what their orientation is. Essentially those things are none of our business. Right. Now, if we're interested and curious because we care, because we want to make sure we don't misgender, because we want to make sure that we are providing as much inclusivity as we can, if those are the driving motives behind that label needing to be used outwardly, have a conversation. I have never had a conversation with someone about what sometimes can feel like an uncomfortable scenario because you don't know and you don't want to make mistakes. I've never had that go bad. Hmm. I've never had a conversation with someone about their identity, their expression or anything of the like, and had them come at me with anger or malice or resentment. It's always been met with kindness and compassion and, um, you know, being comforted by somebody wanting to get to know them. Sure. You know, and, and they can share at that point as much or as little as they'd like, and we have to just be okay with it. Right. But if we're going to allow our community to live authentically, we have to allow our community to live authentically yes. and stop making it more convenient for us when it makes it more uncomfortable for them. Yes. So good. <laughs> that was my so good. 
<laughs> that was your say. You nailed it. I mean, I really think you should be the one with this podcast. <laughs> so you're clearly more practiced at this than I am. <laughs> but that's truly it's just very, it is succinct and just this simple truth. And I think it's, it's a good starting place. It makes sense. And I really appreciate your even just asking that question and having those thoughts on it. So, um, I think it's been such a joy to actually get to talk to you. I mean, just to get to talk to you for this long, it's been a a long time. So it's, it's a joy to do that. Um, you are a delight and I am wondering if people were curious about, you know, um, just, what you do in the world and about your writing and about projects that creative projects that you do and the things that you care about, where could they find you? Yes. Online. So I forgot that I'm a writer. It's been, it's been such it's a busy, been a while. it's been yeah. so long. Um, so I do dabble a little bit in writing, um, a lot of it pertaining to mental health, um, a lot of it pertaining to queer mental health um, or <clears throat> kind of queer topics in general, but you can find me on Instagram under Megan Nolasco writes. Um, and that has like a link to my link tree, which is all of my writings in one place. And then also on Facebook, which I share probably just as much as Instagram. Um, and that's just my name, Megan Nolasco. And I would be happy to engage in any conversation that anyone has surrounding any of these topics. I am very open to debate. Um, and would love to learn because even though I'm in this community, you and I have talked often about how I am learning new things about the community all the time. Um, so please, please, that. if you have any questions or you want to correct me or tell me anything that I could be a little more uh, aware of, I am very open to that. I love that. All right. Well, I will include that information in the little, little episode notes here so people can find you, but just thank you so of much course. for your time, my thank friend. Thank you. This podcast <laughs> is not only amazing to listen to, to get to know you better, but amazing because these conversations are important. And I really feel that there are others out there that are listening to this that maybe haven't come out or maybe are struggling with where they fit in because they feel they need to fit into a corner somewhere. And I really think that this is just marvelous work that you are doing. I'm happy to be a part of it. I feel uh, quite honored. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Of I'm quite honored to have you here. Okay, well, I guess we will say say good night, but <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. All right, take care, everyone. Take care, everyone. Thank you.